Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, JJ Bunny helped us break down a big word, sanctification, into something that makes sense in our daily lives. He spoke from Galatians 5 to show what it means to be set free, to live free. Follow along, and we hope you enjoy this message. Great to see all of you guys this morning. I know it's a rainy morning, um, and so I thought that um, sitting down to preach um, would just be fitting today as um, we talk about something that may be a little heavier um, than you guys are used to, uh, but I think it's really important, and the Lord just had it on my heart this week. As you know, um, we've gone through a series of James for a very long time now, um, and finally it is concluded. Um, And so this week, we're not in a new series just yet, but this week is going to be just a little bit of a stand, what we call a standalone sermon. Um, so this is just something that the Lord had on my heart this week, and I'm excited to share it with you all. Um, but first I want to start by just sharing a word, and this is what we're going to be talking about today, and that is sanctification. Everybody say that together. Sanctification. Okay, so how many of you have heard that word before? Yeah, okay, a good amount of you. How many of you know what it means? Like could confidently give me a definition. All right, JB, let's hear it. You turn into a saint. All right, close. Kind of, okay. Dylan. When you get renewed. Okay, this is good. We're building an idea. Anybody over here? No? Anybody else? Want to take a stab at it? That's okay. So the definition I would say, the simplest but um, most appropriate definition I would say would be making something holy. Everybody say that together. Making something holy. So this process of sanctification that we go through as believers is when we are made holy by the Lord. And this has a lot to do with the way we respond to our sin. Um, So as you guys know, like as believers in Jesus, that doesn't just mean we are done sinning. When we accept the gift um, of eternal life spent with Jesus and relationship with him, we are, all our sin doesn't just go away. We still have sin present in our lives. But as we respond to our sin and we respond in a way that is humble and we want to cleanse that sin in our lives, the Lord helps us to become more and more like him, more holy every day. And so to make this idea a little bit simpler, I would like to give you guys an illustration that a lot of you can probably relate to. Because I think sanctification is a lot like cleaning your room. Okay? I know that may sound silly, but how many of you guys clean your room on a regular basis? <laughs> Liars! <laughs> um, Yes, okay, so we, we all have to clean our room every now and again, especially the boys. I'm sure I don't even want to know what some of your guys' rooms look like um, or smell like, for that matter. Um, but we do have to clean our rooms quite often, right? And if you have ever cleaned your room before, you know that when you clean your room, you have two options. Option one is to actually clean your room well. And to clean your room well, you have to put stuff in the right places, you have to put it away where it belongs, you have to get the dust off the counters, make your bed, 
Maybe vacuum the carpet. I don't know. These are the things that go into cleaning your room, right? You may think of some more, uh, but these are the basic ones, right? But option two is a little bit more devious. And option two is... Because most of the time, we don't really clean our rooms because we just think it's a good time, right? Uh, We're not really like, oh, what do I want to do today? Clean my room. I mean, there's nothing I'd rather do. Most of the time, um, we have our moms telling us to do it, right? And um, I think that's actually a Bible verse. Blessed are the ones who make you clean your rooms. Um, To them is the kingdom of heaven. Um, No, but in all seriousness, um, thank God. Thank the Lord for moms, right? Because otherwise there'd be, the rooms would be a lot worse of middle school boys and girls. Um, so we have to clean our room. We're being, most of the time we're being told to, though, right? Most of the time it's like, hey, mom, I want to go outside and play with my friends in the neighborhood. Can I go do that? Uh, well, after you clean your room. Oh, man. So now this is where option two comes in. Option two takes a lot less time, and that is to stuff everything in the closet. And when you stuff everything in a closet, it looks clean when your mom comes by and you're like, mom, I cleaned my room, can I go play now? And she glances in, she can see that um, you have, it looks like you have cleaned your room, but most of the time moms know that you just stuffed everything in your closet. If you finish in five minutes, they're probably a little bit suspicious. But when we do this, it actually makes our life harder, right? Because when we come back from playing outside with our friends or whatever we're going to do, it actually makes life a lot harder. We can't find things because they're not in the places they are. It actually inconveniences us quite a lot. We feel disorganized. And why is that? It's because the room is still dirty, right? We never actually clean the room, we just hid the mess. We hid the mess and we're actually being deceitful in the fact that we did, saying we did clean our room. But how often do we do this in our own spiritual lives as well? In this process of sanctification, it's a lot like we are cleaning out our sin of our lives. And the Lord is helping us in doing that, but how tempting can it be to not go through the discomfort and sometimes the pain of dealing with our sin and our past and instead shoving it in some corner of our lives that no one else can see. Being disauthentic with the way we handle our sin. How easy can it be to shove it in a closet and say, no one else can see it, so it's okay being there. But actually, we find this hinders our walk, right? It hinders our walk with Jesus in a few ways. We don't feel the closeness that we had with him when we were walking faithfully. We can't worship the way that we want to. It even at some point feels like we're checking all the right boxes, but we're kind of at this point of being stuck in our faith, not being able to move forward because we're so stuck on that sin that is holding us back, that sin that we forgot about because we shoved it in a closet somewhere. 
In addition to this, if we ever do want to clean up our lives, if we ever do want to get rid of this sin, it's even harder because it's become so a part of our normal that we have to rip away the ways we do life because sin has become such a habitual part of them. And I think Paul has something to say about this in his letter to the Galatians. So open up your Bible to Galatians 5, 7 through 23. I hope you guys have your paper copy. I actually brought the wrong paper copy this morning. I accidentally brought my NLT instead of my ESV. So I will be using the iPad version. Um, But I hope you guys brought your paper version. I'll give you guys a second to open up there. And we'll begin in a second. Verse seven says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole hump, whole lump. Man, I did that every time I read it with Dallas the other day. Me and Dallas were going over this passage, and every time I said hump instead of lump, and I do not know why. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Dallas is going to laugh when he sees that. Um... So what is Paul saying here? So Paul's writing this letter to the Galatians and in pretty much all of the context of this letter, this letter is to the whole church as an entirety. So it's not, like we can't quite just read it as if it's being written just to an individual person. We can't just apply it individually to our lives one-to-one because that's not how Paul intended this letter. Paul was writing this to a congregation of believers who had let false teachers into their midst. And if you read the letter of Galatians, you can kind of pick up, Paul's not happy, um, to say the least. This is a little bit of a harsher letter, and Paul really lets them know. Um, And because they were doing things that were really unglorifying to the Lord. But here we see he says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And we see this analogy a lot in scripture, right? When we talk about our walk with the Lord or like our spiritual journey in terms of our faith and like walking through the steps of our lives, running is a very common analogy, right? We see this in Hebrews, but a lot of times people can refer to it as running the race. And so running is a common analogy for our spiritual walks. And so Paul is saying, you were doing well, you were being faithful, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Or in other words, who hindered you from getting off the path? Who hindered you from being able to continue on the path that you know is right? What happened? And I don't think he's talking about any specific person. He's just saying to this church, who stopped you guys from obeying the truth? Who who got you off track? And I think what Paul is trying to say here is obey the truth. Obey the truth. Because when we stop obeying the truth, we've lost our way in the Lord, in in our walk with the Lord. We've lost our way with the Lord. Because remember, Jesus says in John, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're following, if we stop following the truth, we stop following Jesus. And that's harsh, but that's the simple truth of it. 
In verse 9, Paul says this, this, little, this little phrase that, might not, that I messed up, but um, might not be familiar to you guys. He says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What does that mean? Does anybody know what leaven is? Hmm, yes. Like a type of yeast. Oh, wow, great. I mean, that is exactly what I was looking for. Okay, so if you guys don't know what yeast does, it's, leaven is a type of yeast. Yeast is what we put in bread to make it rise in the oven. So like, you know how like you fill up muffin cups? And I mean, when you fill them up, how many of you guys have made muffins before? Okay, so when you make muffins, you know you fill it up like halfway, and you're like, this is going to be the worst muffin ever. And then when you cook it, it like gets all big and you have the big round top on it and it's a good quality chocolate chip muffin. I mean, that, like, that is one of those things. That's where you use yeast. I don't know what kind of yeast is in muffins, unfortunately. I don't think it's leaven. But leaven is a type of that yeast that makes it rise, okay? So what Paul is saying here is if you mix leaven into a lump, there you go, I got it, a lump of bread, the whole thing is going to rise. It's not just gonna rise that like, like if you put it all in the center of the lump, like it's not just gonna rise the center. The whole thing is gonna rise. It's going to leaven the whole lump. And what he's saying here, this might be, sound like a silly analogy, but what he's talking about here is the church congregation. Remember how I said they had false teachers? If, he's saying that those false teachers will infect the whole congregation if you're not careful. And in the same way, a little bit of falseness, a little bit of straying away from the truth can infect the whole truth. In our own lives, when we look at how we are planning to obey the truth, how are we are going to do that, we have to remember, we have to stick to scripture and we have to remember that if we let those lies in just a little bit, it'll infect the whole truth. So I think that's the first thing that Paul would say to someone who feels like they have gotten off on their walk, who feels like they have fallen off, who feels like they have hidden their sin, have not been following the Lord faithfully, just obey the truth. That's the first thing Paul would want us to remember. Next, verse thir- we're going to skip around this passage a little bit. Verse 13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Okay, so again, we see these interesting analogies that Paul is using. But here, Paul is saying, Paul is explaining our freedom in Christ. That Jesus had, has paid the price for our sins. That because of Jesus' sacrifice, Paul is saying here, we no longer have to worry about our sin. Our sin no longer has a hold on us. We are free. But Paul's also saying here that do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul is saying, 
if we want to be truly free, we cannot do that if we are enslaving ourselves to our sin. Because truly our sin enslaves us more when we give ourselves over to it. We're always gonna have sin in our lives. It's the truth of the matter. Remember, even if we're redeemed by Christ, that doesn't mean we are no longer sinful. One day we will be made perfect, but that day is not today. We will lie, we will cheat, we will be prideful. But Paul's saying we have freedom from this. We have freedom from this. And this grace and this mercy that Jesus has given us means nothing if we continue to just use it to sin. Because it can be easy to do that. It can be easy to know that we have been forgiven. And so to sin anyway, because, I mean, I know Jesus is going to forgive me. I know I've had those thoughts. But when we do that, it hurts us. And as we, in the later verses, 14 and 15, Paul is saying that this sin not only hurts us, but it hurts everybody around us. When we begin to live a life of sin and we, we shove sin into the corners of our lives and it becomes a w- part of the way we live our lives, we start to devour one, the, one another. Bite and devour one another. That's harsh. But that's what sin does. And if we submit ourselves to our sin, we are not walking in the freedom that Jesus has given us through his sacrifice. So I think that's the second thing that Paul would want someone to know. Paul wants us to remember as we walk through our lives is that we are free. Our sin no longer has power on us because of what Jesus did on the cross. And therefore, we no longer have to worry unless we enslave ourselves. And finally, let's look at verses 16 through 18. Paul shifts gears a little bit and he says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And we do not, I think what Paul is trying to tell us here is that we do not walk alone. I think that's what he's trying to remind us of. Because Paul has just given a very harsh explanation of what is expected of us. To obey the truth, to walk in freedom, to not devour one another, to not be false teachers. And really, for the entirety of Galatians, he's really been pretty harsh. But here, Paul shifts gears with a gentler tone, and he says, walk by the Spirit. That's it. If we want to live a life that is glorifying to God, where we are free from our sin, where we actually exist in this freedom instead of enslaving ourselves to our own sin, we must walk by the Spirit. Often in Scripture, the Spirit is called the helper. And that is because, remember how I was talking about in our walk of sanctification, 
We are helped by the Lord, specifically the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us. He convicts and he comforts to bring us closer and closer to him, closer and closer to a holy person. So that's the third thing that Paul wants to remind us of, is the Spirit is our strength. Because we cannot do this alone. We can't do this alone and we need the Spirit's help. The Spirit is our strength. So you might be sitting here and you may be a believer in Jesus or you may not. But you may be asking a question to yourself like how, how do we know if this is working? How do I know if I'm being sanctified? How do I know if the room is getting clean? Well, does it smell better? Are things where they're supposed to be? Is the bed made? Or in the, in the example of our spiritual lives, verses 22 and 23 of Galatians, Paul lays out exactly how we know if our quote-unquote room is getting clean, if our lives are getting clean. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So how do we know we are being sanctified? Well, are you loving? Are you joyful? Are you peaceful? Yeah, JJ, but like no one's a perfect cleaner. My room's never gonna be perfectly clean. Yeah, but are you patient? Are you kind? Are you good? Yeah, but mess will build up again. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm not gonna be able to just clean it forever and like mess never build up again. I mean, I'll still always have sin in my life. Sin will always build up. I'm gonna clean it and then it's gonna come back. I'm not saying you won't. But are you faithful? Are you gentle? Do you have self-control? These are the fruits of the Spirit. These are the ways we know if we are being sanctified. This process of sanctification isn't something that happens overnight and we'll never be perfect in it until the Lord makes us perfect one day. But in the meantime, Paul wants us to remember to obey the truth that we are free and that the Spirit is our strength. And above all else, we have assurance that we are growing if the things that Paul lists in verses 22 and 23 are true of us, these fruits of the Spirit, if they're true of our lives. And so maybe you've lost your way. Maybe you're sitting here and you're hearing this and you're like, man, like, I have, got, I have lost my way with the Lord. I have gotten off track. Or maybe you've never even started your walk with the Lord and you're sitting here and 
listening to this and you're curious about what a relationship with Jesus actually looks like. And if that's you, I would encourage you, find someone, find an adult leader, find a peer, find a small group leader, find me, find Brentley. Because we'd love to talk to you about that. But wherever you are, I want to remind you, it is, the, it is never the wrong time to begin following the truth again. Jesus is always standing there with open arms, no matter how far you've strayed, no matter how much sin you have in that closet, no matter how much you think you can't be forgiven, Jesus forgives. And Jesus wants to engage with you this morning. So you guys will have a lot more time to talk about this in your small groups, and I encourage you to open up and speak with your small group leaders because they love you guys and they want to help you grow and see you grow in these fruits of the Spirit. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, the rain. Thank you for um, just the beauty and splendor of your creation and how it all works together. Thank you for um, the ability to come this morning and um, worship you and just engage with you and other fellow believers um, in your name, hoping to grow more and more like you. I pray this morning that um, these students would go out and respond to this. They would hear this and whatever they're feeling, um, they would not just keep that internal, but um, talk to someone about it and engage with you in response. I pray that um, anybody here who um, is curious about a relationship with you, I pray that you stir up in them a desire um, to learn more about that and to once again just feel your tangible presence upon them this morning. We love you a lot, Lord, and we thank you for everything you've done. In your name we pray, amen.